Hey, welcome to the Really Marriage Can Get Better podcast. I am Joel here with uh, my friends, Richard and Sherry. Hey, y'all. Hey, what's going on? So uh, we thought it would be really fun. We, we've written a book together. And if you don't know Richard and Sherry, they're some of the funniest people you'll ever meet. Uh, they perform all over the country doing their humor. And um, once you get your Spanish bit down, you might even go like global, right? Orale. Orale. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, anyways, we wrote this book together and it has been so much fun. And what was really the funnest part for me was when we, we sat down together around a table and we just told stories about God redeeming people's marriages and fixing people's marriages and the steps that you can take. And then we, we, we compiled those, wrote them into the book. Um, but what I thought it'd be fun is over these, these next few episodes is to kind of unpack maybe some of the stories that we weren't able to share in the book, but uh, just the, some of the what God has done. And I want to start first of all with what God's done in your marriage. Cause I got to be honest, when I first met you guys a few years ago, I was like, man, these people are so cool. We hung out a little bit. And then I got them. I heard you guys afterwards. I hadn't heard you before. Then I heard you get up and do your comedy. And I thought, surely they're making these stories up. <laughs> There's no way the people I see in front of me right now had that crazy oh. of a marriage, but you did. So did. tell us wow. about it. And But what was funny is after we told you the truth, we didn't hear from you for about two or three years. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, it's my so gosh. Yeah, Where do you want to start? Well, I was going to say we, um, at our church, we, they do a thing where they meet um, in the newcomers after church. And so they started talking. And then there was this one guy and he had like tattoos all over him. And he, and he had like a teardrop tattoo on his face. And he had, you know like a mouthful of gold teeth. He was just, he, he looked like he had a, a rough time in his life. And he said, you know, he, I, we told him our story. We were telling him a little of our background. And he said, I don't believe you. <laughs> and I said, why? Like, it just took me, like, I, I didn't even know what to say. I said, why? And I kind of got defensive, you know? And he said, because you're too shiny. <laughs> and I was like, wow. And I said, well, look at God. So I just immediately just said, look at God. Like, he took something so broken and so messed up and mm. it is so shiny that people. And so when you just said that, that's what reminded me that I forget that we don't look the way that we lived. I know it, it's taken a while. And when we look back on our life and look back on our marriage, you know, this was my, this is my second marriage and Sherry's third. But when we look back on our life and see the road that we came down, even from when we were children to where we are now, we see that God's hand was just so prevalent on our life. And he was calling us even back when we had, I, I didn't even know who God was. He mm -hmm. was still calling us. I, so I got a, I got a question because, you know, what's interesting is you're talking about talking about the slow transformation and you didn't even realize how shiny you are now. Right. Um, <laughs> but isn't that the way it kind of works? Like it's a, like marriage is a long haul. I mean, you, if you go into it for the short haul, you're going to lose. Yeah. Every time. We, we tell people that uh, marriage isn't for sissies yeah, because it <laughs> it is grueling. <laughs> and But we, we, well, I don't mean not, grueling. It's, it's The thing is, you know, I've got a dictionary from the way that I saw things, the way I perceive things, the way I process my emotions, my angers, my hurts, my failures, my successes. I have a way of processing all that. And Sherry has a way of processing hers. So she's got her own dictionary. And what God does is when you get married, because you're getting married under God, you know, you, he's blessing you under that covenant. But we don't see that. And, and it, I didn't see that in both of my marriages at the very beginning, because it was just something that we say, you know. 
we were going to talk about the coming in with our dictionaries. Right. right. So we're coming in with our dictionaries, and what God does is He shines His light to show where your strong suits are and where your weaknesses are. And but He uses your spouse to do that. But if we don't know how to communicate that to one another, then it just sounds like we are always looking for the worst or we are always pointing out the negative because you know well, we're trying to improve I, each I other i look at richard and i think he should do it this way or he looks at me and like i should do it this way i'm looking at my dictionary going but on page 67 of my invisible dictionary it says this is how you make fajitas you know or let's let's just say <laughs> carne guisada right uh, yeah she makes uh <laughs> okay. caucasian cassava no he calls it no what did he call it white girl white girl guisada white girl guisada because Richard's, you know, Hispanic, and, and I mean, oh, I'm, I'm the a straight-up Mexican. <laughs> the first time we ever made it, I put rice in Like, I put all this rice because I was trying to feed, feed the kids. We didn't have any money. And he's like, you don't put rice in it. It messes everything up. I'm like, no, this is white girl guisada. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you – okay, so I don't. let's start with this. Uh, when I heard your two stories, I was like, man, there, there's there's – when they got together, they were a hot mess. And that's the word you use, a hot, hot mess, mess, right? So how did you manage to stick it out long enough? And what were some of the keys that, that started the transition to where, I mean, that you didn't throw in the towel? Because you said both of you have been previously married. And it, it's, you know, the statistics show that if you've been married before once, your second marriage is like less likely even to survive than your first one statistically so but you guys beat the odds so what were some of the keys to beating the odds well maybe a little backstory too for people that don't know how like you asked earlier how we got off on the whole other tangent but but <laughs> richard and i met at the beach 17 years ago it was a party at the beach my sister had a beach house his best friend had we a met the old-fashioned way yeah, at, <laughs> yeah. Had, a had, keg a, party. had a keg party <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for those of you young ones who don't know what a keg is, it's a big barrel full of beer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, you have to pump it. <laughs> <laughs> so we met at the beach at a party, and um, I just saw Richard. And actually, Were you Christians even, at the time? No, we oh. were not. Yeah, so okay. this was BC. So this wasn't listening. a Christian this keg was, party. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, that's good. Well, we've heard of those. We've heard of them. Um, but we were... Um, you know, I, actually, there was a big party going on on the beach, and my sister was there with Richard and all these people. I didn't know Richard yet, and he, I, all I heard was this really loud guy, and then I got a glimpse of him, and he didn't have his shirt on. He was sunburned. He smelled like fish, and he was really <laughs> loud and extremely obnoxious and, and extremely drunk. And I just remember telling my sister, you know, like, this, who's this redneck? You know, like... <laughs> like this drinking problem like oh i just i mean the, we should never have gotten together right. and I didn't, I, have a, Mary- I didn't have a drinking problem i had a stopping problem <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um and so i was mary Kay sales director i had like the car and i had my oh, i got a suit and i meet richard at the beach within his flip-flops and no shirt and i don't even and know of course how. opposites attract you know because right. i see her in her mary Kay dress with her high heel shoes <laughs> driving the car and i'm thinking wow yeah. a woman who works <laughs> this is she's got it Sugar, all yeah. Sugar mama, man, you read my mind. He told me he had a construction business and I didn't know he'd only owned it for two weeks and he'd only put in one ceiling fan. So, but I didn't know that. So I was thinking sugar daddy, you know, and, um, yeah. yeah, what's funny is yeah, she tells me she was a Mary Kay sales director, but I did not know that Mary Kay was looking to repossess her car because <laughs> you got to sell some product to keep that yeah. car. So when we know. met, we were a hot mess. I was on my way out, about to lose my Mary Kay car. Richard had, I think, all the, all of his worldly belongings fit into two black tr- 
hefty trash bags. So we meet, we, two weeks after we meet, we move in together because that's that right. a good idea. And uh, we pinky promised we'd never get married. Like I'd been married twice before and, and, and just, you know, people think, wow, yeah, they wrote a, a book about marriage and they've been divorced and she's had two husbands, but we didn't do it. Christian, we, we didn't do it with God in our life. Like, so this was all BC, before yeah, Christ. This was all BC. And so then I meet Richard, and he's the baddest which, of the bad boys. Which, I mean, honestly, before Christ, you would be like, well, it makes, like, we're going to get around the loophole. We won't have to get divorced again. We just won't get married. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. But, and and this, that's what's interesting about when you come into covenant with Christ is you under, start to understand what covenant is. Like, it's like one of those relationships where one side commits, even if the other side doesn't fulfill their commitment. Yeah. But it's yeah. amazing that you guys stuck it through long enough to, to even learn what that looks like, the love of God looks like, right? Yep. It and, was. And what I was going to say, too, real quick, is that um, I, I went to church my whole life. Like, I was raised in church. My dad was an elder in the church. Like, we, it wasn't, and when we say BC, but it was before a relationship with Christ. You yeah. know, it was, I we say went something. to church. Like, I realized my daughter going to church. She went to a Christian school, and I met Richard. I was still going to church every Sunday, but, you know, not, not living it, living, not walking the walk. I just found out on this podcast that BC stands for before Christ. You told me it was before commitment. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's a that's a deep truth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's gone yeah. down a wormhole. That's it. Yeah. You know, yeah. God is always yeah. revealing something to us. So that's one of the things that I think is key, and we kind of express that in the book, is that really like if you don't have a relationship with Christ, what else are you gonna lean on in a marriage? Yeah. I mean, because the really the if you're really if you don't have him and connect kind of bringing you together, then it's just amazing that people stay together without that. I don't see how, Joel. I do not see how. And when you asked us earlier, how was it that we were able to stay on this path and not get divorced for the fourth time and third time was the community. And we, we put that in the book that yeah. was around us. Because when we went to this church for the first time, I grew up in church and it was something that I never wanted to go back and relive because it was just... Uh, it seemed like when we were going to church, it was the worst time in our life. You know, my dad was drinking all the time, arguing and fighting with my mom all the time. And there was so many rituals yeah. that I couldn't keep up with. I didn't, as a young kid, you know, five, six years old, you don't know the sitting up, the getting down. I didn't understand any of that. So it was very confusing. Um, but my dad didn't go to church. He, you know, he uh, was a Baptist. And my mom was Catholic. And at the age of 10, he told me that I could, I was a man now, so I could do whatever I wanted to do when it came to church. And I said, well, I'll do what you do and I'll just stay home. Mm. And so I stopped going to church at the age of 10. But then uh, God called my dad home at, when I was 17. At least I hope God called him home. <laughs> <laughs> we hope that's where he is. Don't really know, you know. So when um, Richard and I met, we were, like you said, a hot mess. We had, um, I'd been going to church my life, Richard hadn't been in church in a long time, but the first year or so, we just partied. Like it, I had been, this, I was the Girl Scout mom. I was the the room mother. I had raised my daughter. She was seventeen when I met Richard. He had a five and a seven year old, and I thought I am free. Like this is the first time I can do what I want. I can just. Mm -hmm. I had a very controlling uh, marriage the second time, and so when I met Richard, I was like, I'm just gonna have fun. And so for about a year, that's what we did. We just partied and had a good time. His kids only came on the weekends, and so we were able to kind of live a double life. And, but then when we got custody of the children and then we decided we, I started taking Richard to church cause I thought he needed some Jesus <laughs> because you know, we were really struggling with drugs and alcohol and pornography. Uh, and then, so we started going to church, living a double life. Yeah. And I just remember I was 
waiting. I was waiting for the day that somebody pulled me aside and were going to give me the riot act of, you know, the reason that you're in this situation right now is because you're a sinner. You don't read your Bible. Uh, God doesn't love you. This is what I was waiting for because my mom had told me pretty much, especially when I was younger, that, you know, God was up in heaven looking for me to make a mistake because it made him angry. Mm. And so that's the God I knew. It was the punishing God. Yeah. And so scary Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, I didn't understand what the commandments meant. I didn't understand, you know, a relationship. You know, I understood that God was just up there looking to kill people. That's, that's truly what I thought. So when my dad died at 17 and even at 17, you know, I'm not a boy, but you know, I'm still not a man yet. You know, I just thought, well, God killed my dad wow. because that's the, on the only revelation. That's all I knew. So you know? that brings up an interesting thing. I didn't, I wasn't planning to go here, but this is interesting because so much of, I, I we've talked about this before that so much of marriage, there aren't really any marriage problems. There are just people with problems who bring them into marriage. That's exactly right. And we, we all come, I mean, you could have a, you know, you loved your dad, uh, but we come in with baggage of stuff we learned from our parents. Yeah. And if we don't have, you know, parents are godlike figures. And if you don't have any exposure to anything else, you just go, well, I guess this is how, this is how you roll. And I heard somebody say the other day, uh, your parents or your kids, the reason they don't listen to you is because they're watching you. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. I was like, ouch. ouch. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh. Uh, Snap. But there's the reality that we watch yeah. what yeah. we're soaking it up. And, yeah. and I think about that with my daughter. She just, She's watching me. She's watching how I react to Emily's. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, and you know, if you don't get your own, almost the, what Jesus said, get the log out of your own eye. Just wow. work on getting that yeah. log out yeah. and then we yeah. can fix somebody else. If you don't get that going, right. um, you're just going to pass on the dysfunction you had growing up and you're not going to know any different. Right. That's all you know. Yeah. I mean, it's not, I mean, it's like, you're, it's so not it's, even your It's fault. your truth. You know, we've <laughs> learned that since that this, these are our truths that we, you know, bring into marriage, even though it's it right. There's a right and a wrong way. That's like way. that dictionary almost. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And Richard's parents were married 25 years and before his dad died and, 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 but it was, you know, dysfunctional, alcohol, yelling. No, I mean, they didn't have any any good. And my parents were married 55 years. And I thought, oh, my parents have been married 55 years. But my parents shouldn't have been married. You know, like they were just seeing who could outlive the other one, you know, <laughs> wow, yeah. basically. And um, that was a different time back then, yeah, too. Yeah, 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 married, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, the idea that you guys, when you guys got together, everything was obviously kind of a mess. Um here you are today. I want to talk for the next few minutes about so people here are listening that they're going, oh, that's all well and good for them. Mm-hmm. But man, our marriage is at the point where it's not, there's no redemption for it. Like mm-hmm. it's just so much water has gone under the bridge, so much hurt. It's like right now we're just staying together for the kids. What would you say to them as somebody who's probably been there at multiple points? What would you say to them? Um, you know, person with experience is never at the mercy of a person with a theory. So I'm asking people with experience who pulled a marriage out of the ditch uh, with the help of the Lord and got it going. And then you're looking at it today and God's using you guys to impact other marriages. What's the first piece of advice you would give to people and say, um, hey, listen, devil's a liar. (laughs) Do not believe the emotion and feeling that you're having about your spouse if it's not love because that is truly, like my wife just said, the devil is a liar. Don't buy into that deception. I truly believe that marriage is under attack like never before in the history of this world. And God is 
the only one that's going to be able to, t- to right the wrongs, uh, no matter what happened. Now, we're not talking about physical and emotional abuse. If, if that's happening, then yeah, there, there has to be safety involved, especially if there's kids. But if it's just you're trying to work through things and you don't see eye to eye, and you, you know, we, we've learned that most people divorce within the what first five to seven years. And the, and the couples that we've seen that have the biggest problems that stick it out are the ones that when they get on the other side of that are the ones that, that are doing better than you would have. I mean, there's ones that Richard and I are like, oh, I don't know how much you want to bet on it, you know? And, but they're the ones that end up, if they go through it or under it or around that, you know, you've got to go through it. You can't go around it or under it. You have to go through it. But I, I remember us that, cause he was asking about, you know, um, what advice we would give. I mean, we were at that point of almost being divorced. You know, we have been at that point where I, I left and one of us was getting our own place. And I just would say, I don't love him anymore. I don't feel love for him anymore. Cause we hadn't and learned she would say, that. I love him, but I'm not in, I'm love, in with love with him. <laughs> yeah. That was my big saying. Um, but we didn't understand that love was a choice and love is a decision and all those things, you know, you start hearing, you think they sound like cliches, but they are true. Like you have to decide every day for me, I had to decide to love Richard every day, whether I thought he quote unquote deserved it or not. Like whether actually was, whether I earned it or not, whether he earned it or not, which is what we were, which is one of the key concepts in the book that we'll talk about in the next yeah. podcast episode is the idea that, um, you've got to make this shift from what, what we call to, to being a tipper to a giver. And so we'll talk about that in the next episode. Um, so you're saying, so you've got somebody that's sitting here listening and saying, Oh, that's great. You know, nice to listen to it. But, um, where, where would you say is, what's the hope that they can have right now that it can get better when you look around and you say, it's so dark right now that I just can't see any positivity coming out of this negativity. I, I think you just have to press in and you have to just trust. And this is where faith comes in. This is where you have to believe like you, you know, really that faith of, of calling those things that are not as if they were speaking those things out, whether or not you actually see them in the natural with your natural eye or not, or everything yeah. looks against it. But you, um, I know if God did it for us, I mean, he's no respecter of persons. Like he, if he can do it for us, this is just the G version you're hearing right now. And throughout these next few <laughs> podcasts, I'm sure you'll hear more of our stories and things. I, most people walk away after hearing our stuff saying, oh my gosh, our stuff is nothing compared to that. Like <laughs> if they can make it, anyone can make it. And we just know that if there's something really bad, if, if the devil's fighting you that hard, mm-hmm. there must be something really good that he doesn't want you to get to that God has for you. You know, it's interesting because I think the reason cliches become cliches is because they're so true, but they can have this worn out thing. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, sometimes you're like, well, you just got to have faith. Mm-hmm. But really that's what faith is. I mean, <laughs> yes. faith faith is not needed when everything is clear, the light is shining yeah. bright and you know the path ahead. Faith only operates in the dark. So you almost really can't have faith until it's gotten really, really yeah. dark. So if you're in a dark place for your marriage, it seems like, hey, Great opportunity yeah. for real faith. Oh, when we would go to church and hear these people in these marriage classes, and they would talk about all these cliches, and they would well, we thought they were cliches, or we'd hear these 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 scriptures, and that was the last thing we did not want to hear how it was going to be fixed because we had already decided we were out. Mm. You know. Now that's an, that's a key point is if you've already decided you're out, how do you shift out of that? We had an amazing community around us. And, and we, you know, again, we talk about that in the book, but there were people that were fighting for us when we couldn't fight for ourselves. And just that love that somebody would have for a person that they barely even know 
Like, why are you standing, you know, in that proverbial Christianese in the gap for me? Mm -hmm. Because they would say, we see something special in y'all that you guys don't see in yourself, you know? And when we would hear that, you know, it would just, it would, we wouldn't fight because we'd leave going, what are they talking about? You know, it was mm. perplexing to us. Like we well, couldn't we would understand. be teaching marriage stuff. Like we were helping in marriage classes and teaching all the stuff that we read out of a book because we weren't doing it at home. Like we would immediately get in the car, smoke a cigarette, light our cigarette with the next cigarette, you know, uh, these, just, Christians. these Christians are stressing me out, you know, but, but <laughs> we would, um, finally, after a few years of learning, once we started getting the facts and learning about marriage and, and learning our language, I love language and our personality types and our uh, Enneagram, all those things started really studying each other We and learning conflict resolution and communication styles. We said, we have to, at some point, really do this stuff. Like, we, mm. what if we really did it? Like, if we're going to get out of this mess and we decided we didn't want to be married anymore, like, if we're not going to do this, let's at least work ourselves out of it. Let's do everything so we can prove to people that we tried it all because people were saying, you know, they didn't want us to fail and, you know, we, they were, we were being accountable to them. So it was almost like, okay, we'll prove you. Now that's an interesting thought. You talk, what you just said there is it was the accountability where you're like, yeah, we'll we'll show you this really isn't possible. We're going to do everything you say. And (laughs) but, but then it worked. It It worked. worked. (laughs) And and even before we did it, couples were coming up to us saying, our marriage is getting so much better. All this stuff y'all are talking about, it's helping us. And thank we were you, like, good thank for you. you. Like, <laughs> you know. know. And what was funny is I didn't even want to go to church, mm. right? When she said, hey, let's go to church. And I said, no. And then she said, you know, we go to one of the biggest churches in America. And I asked her, I said, well, how many people go through this church? And she's all like, probably 40,000 on a weekend. I'm like, get some more business cards made. We're going to go hustle some Christians. <laughs> so that's the reason yeah. I went to church because yeah. I saw it as a, <laughs> the proverbial gold mine. You know, right. we were going to go bank in on Jesus folks, you know, but what was funny is that the love that we received and the feeling, I knew those feelings that I was having, these emotions that I had buried all of these years of my whole entire life and never dealt with and just continue to repress and continue to to make them dormant. You know, I didn't want to feel those feelings. So, well, you know, I'm dealing with pornography and with drugs and with alcohol to numb that pain. These people, this love that I was feeling, I knew that I was somewhere different. Mm. And I wanted to have what those people had. I just didn't know how to get it, you know. And so that was one reason that we didn't want to get divorces. I was tired of being me. I was tired of living that broke down, you know, jacked up life. And I wanted to change. I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know how. And it wasn't happening fast enough for me. So that was a problem because I'm more of a, I don't care what your words. And I would tell him, your words mean nothing to me. Like I need to see fruit. I need to see action. And because I didn't see anything happening, you know, with my eyes, he would tell me, God's working on me. God's working on me. But because we kept um, falling back, you know, we I thought we'd, gotten out of certain things and then he'd fall back into it. Then I catch him doing this and that. And it just over and over and over to where you feel like I, like you have nothing left. You know, I didn't yeah. feel like I had anything left to give. So if you're at that place and you feel like you have nothing left, what, what's your, what, what needs to happen there? Because I mean, that's one of the things we talk about in the book say, is we say, we so, think that you yeah. really do want to restore your marriage or you wouldn't be listening to a marriage podcast. You wouldn't be reading a marriage book, even though you're kind of like, I got nothing left. Yeah. What, where do you start from nothing left? Well, I think it's like, like we talked about in the book is that what is, what, 
what is that one thing that you could give? What something like, I mean, it's, you, you might not be able to do it in your own strength, but that's when you have to say, okay, Lord, I, I'm, this is not even me anymore. This is, I, this is all you and you've got to, God will give you enough grace for that day. Even if it's just for that day to give in one little thing to your spouse, to somebody has to do it. Somebody has to be the one to be the giver. Like somebody, ha- and, and Jimmy Evans always says, the one that does it is the bigger person. So I was like, oh, you should have just told me that in the first place. <laughs> of course I'm <laughs> of course the bigger, I'm the bigger person. person. <laughs> of course I'm going to do it now. So it gives, it gives kind of a heroic bent yeah, to yeah, it. Like yeah. you want to save your marriage, yeah. you be the one to fr- take yeah. the first step. And that was huge because I was used to being chastised every single time I walked in the door. Well, most of the time I came in, uh, I had a buzz, you know, been drinking, um, going places that I shouldn't have gone. So did I deserve it? Yeah. You know, but I was used to that. I grew up in that dysfunction in my family, yelling, screaming, slamming doors. That was an everyday occasion for us. So when I'm in that, well, that's normal to me. That's in my book of normal, you know, mm-hmm. yelling, screaming, slamming doors, shouting at one another, and then you kiss and make up. That's what's wrong and with that. That was so abnormal you know? to me. But to her, that was so ab- that was so wrong. And I remember, you know, we would fight and fight. And now we're going to church and we're volunteering in classes. And we're, I think we've even teaching a few classes. And, you know, and it's just not working, but we're not giving up. And one day I came home and, I mean, I was probably... Not, seven sheets into the wind and she was so kind to me and she was so she was like hey look kids look look who's home it's the head and not the tail it's the father you know it's your father it's he's a you know, victor and not, not a victim, a victim. because and, i had gone to church and i think that i mean we were going to church every week even if we partied three or four days we would still get up i would make this family get up and fake it and go to church. And we were the fakiest of the fake going to church, <laughs> wow. but we did it. But I said, I know we have to go. Cause I knew if we stopped going that we were going to, we were going to totally be gone. We, we were going to go it. down we the rabbit hole. Like we had to go. That was our only glimmer of hope was to just keep going. So, I mean, that's a pretty potent statement there right now is maybe there is some value to faking it till you make it. And we live in this world where it's like, well, you got to be authentic and true to yourself and transparent. And I'm just not there yet, man. Um, We weren't either. Yeah. You weren't there either, but the faking it till you make it actually activated something for us. Because what happened, I think is that you, we, we became accountable again is that word, but as we got, started going to church and serving and doing things now, we started having uh, we were starting to become leaders and different things were happening. And I thought we can't let people down now. Like we can't, people are watching us, you know, like, so we just affected, but it got to be where you, you couldn't fake it anymore because it became such a burden to be, to, to walk both sides of the fence, you know, and the Bible talks about being hot or cold, like, you know, pick yeah. one. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's where you started. And yeah. I, I think that's, I mean, that segues perfectly into the next episode, which is actually what we're doing. The second chapter of the book is about is that really wherever you are right now in your marriage, the only place you can start is a journey of a thousand miles starts with one step. One step. Yeah. And uh, another favorite quote of mine is the best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago. We, t- we the love second that. best time is today. I love that. Yeah. I, I tell everybody that. everybody that. Now, yeah. And so it's that. like, man, I, I wish we'd have known this five years yeah. ago. Well, right. you didn't, right? right. You, didn't. you didn't. And you know what? Some right. of it's because, man, you got a, you had a bum example, right? Yep. And there's nothing wrong with admitting that your 
parents, they didn't give you a good example, right? It's not disloyal to admit that, but you've got to, you've got to start there and say, okay, we are where we are on the journey. It's kind of like when you go to a mall and you look at that map and you're trying to figure out yeah, where, yeah, yeah. where's the store I'm looking for and you can't figure it. You got to look for that. Here I am now. And when yeah. you start with that, admit where you're at. And that's where you can get a really great start into taking the first step to the right direction. I think I'm convinced that just the first step sets you on the road to success. Man, and it just reminded me of something that you, when you were just saying that's so important. And we used to say this all the time. And if we had known the information that we, like you were talking about, which we had known it then, had we known this information when we were married prior to other people, we'd have still been, we probably would have still been married to those people because we would have had, if we had done the work, had this kind of information, we could have saved our marriages, which we're glad the way that it worked out and God all worked it out. And, and, um, well, you, you know, said that with such pizzazz. Well, I mean, with, with the devil, <laughs> I'm so people, thankful look, it worked out like it no, worked out. Because people, it's a hard thing because when people that are already <laughs> married right now think, yeah, but you're going to look what happened to y'all. Look how great I got when you got, you know, yes, it did work for us, but it's hard and it's been hard work and it's been a long road and we were, we have grit and we were willing to, and we still are, we still do the work. I mean, it's the divorce with kids was a lot of pain yeah. and a lot of heartache and a lot of brokenness, a lot of brokenness, a lot yeah. of brokenness. I it's, mean, it's a long time to, it takes, I don't, you know, our kids are in their early twenties, uh, mid twenties and in 34. 34 and they're still dealing with the repercussions yeah. of this divorce, yeah. you know, and which it, this is serious. And, you know? and that's where I think the good news is here is that when you decide for not only the own sake of your marriage, but you're actually deciding for the sake of the generations that come after you that look back at you and say, what an example that was set. And, and that's the cool thing about this is I've, we've seen this all together is all it takes is one person deciding, nope, we're breaking the cycle yeah. of this. Yeah. Our family was jacked up yeah. or our family, they just stayed together in a loveless marriage and we're just going to gut it out like they did. No, no, this, your marriage really can get, get better. <laughs> for more encouragement for your marriage, pick up a copy of Really, Marriage Can Get Better on Amazon.com and visit brightermarriage.com.